We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So first question that we're going to work through here is from USMA87. Ryan, which 2023 and 2024 commits impressed you the most in week one? We'll call it week two just because there were some teams that played last week as well. So we'll call this week two just for argument's sake. Which ones impressed me most? I mean, again, I would have I would be hard-pressed to find one much better than the Bowens, man. Like they did. Just they played a phenomenal football game, both of them. Both Peyton and Eli had phenomenal games for the Denton Guire squad that was able to just dismantle their opponent 47 to 14. So I'd probably go to Bowens. Sean, I would love to hear it though. Is there anybody else that like stuck out to you that you would say was the most impressive 2023 or 2024 commit that you saw? Yeah, for 23, it's it's been Rico Flores with me. And that's why I asked that question. I'm like, yo, he's flashing different. Mm-hmm. And the progress he's making as a wide receiver, I'm like, yo, this is good. So Rico will be my 23 guy. I actually got a chance to go check out St. Ignatius versus St. Patrick on Friday night. I got okay. a chance to watch five-star 24 defensive tackle Justin Scott. And, yo, he said he had a chip on his shoulder, and he does. He absolutely does. Like, he had three pancakes as the right tackle. And he basically, oh, he's playing. He's playing right tackle too. Oh, right tackle okay. and deep tackle. So it. he's super excited about right tackle too. It's like, dude, relax. We need you at D tackle. So I have fun talking to him about it after the game. But yeah, he, he's dominant. It was a nineteen fourteen loss to St. Patrick, who is a very good program, and they, I think, they gave St. Ignatius their only regular season loss last year as well. Wow. So. It's been a tough mountain for them to get over as a program, but, you know, hard-fought game, defensive game, and both teams kind of score. I think they scored 21 points, like, in the last eight minutes of the game. Mm -hmm. So it was a defensive – it was definitely a defensive uh, battle for almost two and a half quarters, and Justin Scott was at the middle of it. So he was very impressive, very impressive. how do you look in person, Sean? Because I still find it so hard to believe that kid's 300 pounds, man, with the frame. He just he just does not have bad weight on his frame right now. 
Yeah, we I saw him. It was crazy. They ran like a, a screen. So he comes in and he beats the he beats the guard just easily. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he recognizes like on his second step that it's a screen. Right? And then he swim moves the center out of the way and tracks the ball carrier down. And I'm like, yeah, he's different. He's just different. It's like St. Patrick, they tried to run because they're a run-oriented offense. So they tried running at him. And then, like, halfway through the first quarter, they just totally went to quick screens and, like, 50-50 balls. It was like, you know what? We're just going to throw the ball deep. Hope we get, get it out quick. Time. Throw it to deep. And then they popped. It was a 7-6 game, and they were at midfield with a minute left. Hmm. And they popped a quick screen for a 50-yard touchdown. And that changed the momentum of the game. And they played from ahead the rest of the game. And, you know, the offense for St. Ignatius just wasn't clicking at all. They couldn't get anything going. So it was one of those things where, you know, once St. Patrick got ahead at their home field with their fans, struggling Mm -hmm. offense, even though St. Ignatius and Justin Scott were doing their thing defensively, they really couldn't recover and put enough points up to win the game. So he, in person, he's even better in person than than the film. And like I said, this is his first offseason of really dedicating himself physically to weightlifting. Mm-hmm. So he looks different. Like if you saw him now compared to the sophomore film, you're like, okay, yeah. this is a totally different guy. Well, man, his his frame is insane, man. Like yeah. he's six five plus with long arms, and he's just Again, if he was 300, then he's the best 300 pounds ever last year, man, because there is no – there's there's literally no bad weight on him. Like, he's just yeah. a big, big kid, yeah. man. So, kid to keep an eye on, obviously, as we work through this recruiting hour. And, again, if there's any team-specific or college football-specific or you want to ask Sean what his favorite food is, I mean, you can throw any questions in the chat. We'll answer it here as we kind of move forward. But it's definitely just day-to-day. Day-to-day. Oh, <laughs> we, we want to have this conversation? What, what's it today, then? What's it today? Yesterday it was shrimp alfredo, shrimp fettuccine. Okay, okay. The jumbo shrimp, absolutely fantastic. Okay, uh, that was my first time having is, is it. With it shrimp. Is that like a seafood sauce? Like what, what kind of sauce? It's Alfredo it? sauce. Oh, it's Alfredo. Okay, it's Alfredo it. sauce, but I have never had it with shrimp. I always get chicken, right? Yeah, yeah. Chicken, I'm, right? I'm a chicken. I'm a chicken Alfredo guy too. So I, yeah. I can get there, man. I can get there. Shrimp. Yeah. I, I like shrimp. I'm a little hit or miss with shrimp sometimes, though. I don't know. Okay. I feel like it, I feel like it's easy to overcook shrimp. You know, like sometimes yeah. it's just a little like chewy and like. Yeah. But I mean, if you do shrimp well, I can get down with it, man. I can and then Thursday, yep. For some reason, my wife introduced me to Brussels sprouts with mm-hmm. bacon. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Mm-hmm. With like a little, it was almost like an Asian soy sauce. I don't think it was soy sauce, but it was kind of like a mixture. Feel like an Asian sauce with a little bacon. I fell in love with that Thursday. And then Friday, I fell in love with this new, I don't know if you had it, hot honey rub chicken wings from Wingstop. Ooh. ooh. Yeah. I I can get with some hot honey, man. That's, yeah, that's, the, that's the go-to sauce. So it's a new flavor. It's a new flavor. It's a uh-huh. new flavor. So we'll see. Today, I'll see what. You know, my favorite dish of the day is. 
Oh man, I dig that. I dig that so much. Uh, I mean, we could have a whole food co- food podcast, and I'm I'm down for it, man. So we're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. We, we do have a super chat here from Matt2011GT. Am I wrong for thinking Notre Dame needs to survive defensively early on? I feel like they will need time to settle in, but we'll be strong in the second half. I actually think the reverse. You think it's reverse? Okay. I do. Why don't you explain it? Go ahead. I think the defense is what is going to keep Notre Dame in contact. Like, I don't know how you feel about this, Ryan, because I've shared this in conversations with Brian. Mm-hmm. If we were starting the season off going up against Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave and Jackson Smith and Jigba, right. I would be terrified. But the guys that are starting, other than Jackson Smith and Jigba, they don't have a large sample size. Like, they can make mistakes as first-time starters. They can run the wrong route as first-time starters. They can have some miscommunication with C.J. Stroud as first-time starters. So I don't expect this passing game that they have to be what they reached halfway through the season last year when everybody got back healthy and C.J. Stroud had finally become the pass, the passer that he became. I think they're early on they're going to have some misfires. So I think the defense is going to be able to have a handle on them I really don't think they're going to be able to push the defensive front around, and I think they're going to contain Travion Henderson. They lost their big – their uh, the freshman that was really kind of like their – Evan, Evan Price. Pryor. Yeah, yeah, Evan Pryor, yeah. They lost him just like we lost Jadarian Price. Mayan Williams is – is Good player. He's a good player, but he doesn't scare you like, oh, man, he's going to go 80 at any right. point in time. So right. no, I'm not worried. I don't know why anyone would just be terrified. I think the national media has this narrative out there that Notre Dame is going to have to score because you know they're not going to be able to shut down Ohio State. Ohio State's a good team. They're going to put up points. 
Yeah. Notre Dame is going to have to hold them to under 30 points or right around 30 points. And if they do that, they'll have a chance to win the game. And if Notre Dame holds them, you thought Oregon did a really good job defensively last year, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. DJ Stroud threw for 460. Sure did. You know, sure did. so it's like CJ, they had over 600 yards total offense. Crazy. And came away with the loss. Why? Because they had a, a quarterback that threw for 230, didn't turn the ball over, only completed 55% of his passes, mm-hmm. but he did make the big mistake. And then I think Verdell had the big touchdown run, the 770 yarder. Dude, he had, he had like four or five touchdowns that game. It was crazy. It was he had the big crazy. one. And then they ran yeah. for 200 yards on the ground and controlled the clock and controlled the tempo. Ohio State only ran 85 plays. Right. And I right. think if Notre Dame can keep them to 80 to 85 plays and they don't get up until like 90, 95, that bowls well. Score touchdowns instead of field goals. I don't think, look, <laughs> I think, Notre, man, if you are not happy with going into this game with Tariq Bracey, Cam Hart, and Brandon Joseph on the back end, then I don't know what else to tell you. Yeah. Because no one else in the Big Ten has that. It's very true. It's very true. I would say this, Matt, I don't think that you're, I don't think you're wrong, right? Cause it's subjective. We don't know what's going to happen. Like we're just rejecting exactly. what we think is going to happen in the game. So there's no right or wrong answer to your question. Right. I'm not, let me, let me choose this phrase better. I'm more worried about the running game getting going for Ohio state. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is, and we talked, we heard that from Marcus Freeman in his press conference, right? Like stop the run stop and the run. establish yeah. the run. Those are the things that he talked about most. I think if you limit the effectiveness that they have on the run game with Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams, I think that I will take my chances with the passing game because mm-hmm. just make them one dimensional, but I don't want it to be one dimensional yeah. where like they can just run the ball every play. Like I want right. to make them one dimensional as in you have to pass the football to win. Can they still win if they are forced to pass the football? Sure. They're really good, man. Really they have good. great, great talent. There's yeah. no doubt. But I think that you have to limit them being a balanced attack. If you do that, I think Notre Dame has a shot. It's a pretty good shot. So we'll see, though. We're going to know very soon. For Williams and Henderson combined for like 123 mm-hmm. against Oregon. Mm-hmm. Like, if you give up 123, you feel comfortable with that? Yeah. 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 I think so. Yeah. yeah. I'd say so. Yeah. I'd say so. I, it, this can't, this can't be a one where like you give up 200 yards rushing plus no. and no. Travion's just busted a couple big runs. Like yeah. nah, you can't let that happen, man. If you, if you, if you limit the effectiveness of the run game, I think you're in an okay spot if you're Notre Dame. But again, Matt, to your question, you're not ridiculous. You're not wrong for thinking that way. We'll know very soon how ridiculous or not ridiculous it is. Next question, we're going to Matt McCarthy. And thank you for the super chat, by, by the way, Matt. Matt McCarthy. I watched Jeremiah McClellan, who is the wide receiver for Christian Brothers, where Jeremiah Love plays, highlights it. Oh, man, can he play? Apparently, he really likes Notre Dame. Do you think there's any chance they take five receivers with Cam Williams, Ryan Wingo, Mylon Graham, Jeremiah McClellan, and Emmett Mosley? So the numbers conversation, I think the number's four. For next year, I don't know if they can get to five. I think the number's four. Right now, they already have Cam Williams in the class, which you mentioned there. I would say for me, the question, as someone knocks on my door, the next question would be, who are the other three? 
out of this group, I think that you would love to have Ryan Wingo, right? And right now, things look pretty good with Ryan. It is going to be a fight till the end. There is no doubt. But they got him on campus twice this spring and fall, uh, spring and summer. So there's and three times overall already, even though he's just entering his junior year. And they have made progress in that fight for Ryan Wingo. So I think Ryan's the main guy on this board. After that, I mean, honestly, man, if they get Ryan Wingo and Cam Williams in this class, pick your last two for me. I mean, do I think it's I'll say this about Jeremiah McClellan. I love Jeremiah McClellan. I think he's a really good football player. I do think that there's maybe a little bit too much of similarities between him and Cam Williams, though, if I'm being honest. So I don't know if they would prioritize him just because they're, excuse me, their skill sets are pretty similar. I don't know if you feel that way too, Sean, but like they're kind of similar-ish players, both like 6'1", 6'2", long, more W, um, sorry, more Z types in a traditional sense, X in in how Notre Dame kind of categorizes their receivers. So it's a little different. I think personally, if we're talking about an ideal forward, I would love to hear if you have a different person in your ideal forward. I would say Cam Williams, Ryan Wingo, have a decent shot at Ryan Wingo. Emmett Mosley is a double, you know, a, a double legacy. So you have to have a good shot at him. He's more the slot, a slot field type of receiver. And then the fourth guy, I mean, I would love Mylon Graham. I think right now, though, Ohio State is definitely the leader for Mylon Graham if they want him, right? Mm-hmm. So... That's the question mark with me, but whether the fourth guy is Jeremiah McClellan or it is Tysir Denmark, who I don't know if they have a great shot with or whoever, it's a really potentially dynamic class. So I don't know if there's anybody on this list for you, Sean, that like really pops out and you're like, that's uh, that's the dude that they need to prioritize. I think just like we saw them hop on great house, you have to wait, especially with the 24 class, because someone might pop on tape and then the next thing you know Notre Dame's talking to him the early you know, yep. period in January and then they become a big time lean for Notre Dame going into the spring months and that's just the way recruiting is but just this list right here I would you know Cam Williams Wingo you know of course I would love I love Graham absolutely mm-hmm. love Graham but like you said Ohio State appears to be the leader right now I love Mosley as well though yes. so I, those are the guys that I would rank and then McClellan would come up behind those guys. Mm-hmm. Right now, I would venture to say that I think Notre Dame would feel pretty comfortable with three of the five guys right mm-hmm. now, just from a recruiting standpoint of where they sit. Like they feel mm-hmm. comfortable. They know there's work to do. They already have camp. Right. I think they feel comfortable with Wingo. I know they feel comfortable with Emmett Mosley. And, you know, once again, California kid, but really a Chicago kid. Right, right. Like he's a California kid, but he's a Midwest kid. So it's yes. a little bit different. This isn't a someone you're trying to get to leave California. His entire family is basically from Chicago. His father's yes. from Chicago. So when he comes to South Bend, when he came to visit, they came up to Chicago for like two to three days right after he left his visit. So you know, he's a Midwest kid at heart. So I think Notre Dame feels pretty good with him as well. Yep. And I'm going to pick, I'm going to put up a couple comments about the wide receiver section. Brandon Plesner, who's a great follower of Irish breakdown. He said, unless Notre Dame can flip Jason Robinson, you want to talk about from USC, I take him. He's a California kid. That's why I wanted to pop him up real quick. Yeah. 
I just don't know how likely it is, Brandon. I mean, I, I I think Jason really likes Notre Dame, but he's called USC just kind of his dream school, and he's a Cali kid, born and bred. So we'll see we'll see there. And then before that, actually, Brandon also popped in Breedell Richardson as another name on top of Emmett Mosley. Breedell, who is a big physical outside receiver, would be another guy that Notre Dame fans should keep a close eye on because he's a very very talented football player indeed. So, yes, let's keep our eyes on Breedell Richardson. There's so, definitely some level of interest there. He made a trip to Notre Dame earlier this summer. Where will it go? That's the question mark. But I think that Breedell Richardson is definitely a, a player that Notre Dame likes right now. All right, and then we have Ty C asked, besides love, do you think we will get any commitments, any class in September, any more commits? So I, this is what I think, right? I, I'm going to stick with 2023 here. I think Jeremiah Love is going to make a decision in September. I think Notre Dame is in a good position there. And then, Sean, for me, the only other player that maybe you could check in on is, again, for the Cal game, which is the second home game, which would be the 17th, I guess, right? That is when potentially Tayshawn Lyons will be coming to campus. And I think if it goes really well, that one could end relatively quickly after that. So I would say Love and Lions are the guys to keep an eye out in September. And early on, especially if Notre Dame is looking to flip a quarterback, I think that September timeframe will be like, man, let's try and get these guys on campus because you want to be able to get them on campus early. That gives you more of the season to be able to work on them and potentially flip them. Uh, you talked about the reclassification thing with C.J. Carter's down the line, mm-hmm. if it ever happens or if it's a possibility. Um, other than that, I will say there are some 24 guys that I believe could be in-season commits that are right there. You know, Justin Scott is basically – Justin Scott is Notre Dame, Ohio State, Michigan. Yeah. He's a Midwest kid. SEC schools are going to come after him, but he wants to play close to home in the Midwest. And it's going to come down, in my opinion, to those three schools. And ultimately, I think it's going to be a battle between Notre Dame and Michigan, where everything sits. Heavy Notre Dame influence on his coaching staff. Yes. At his school. So, you know, that could be an in-season commit if he wants to take it out. Because he's not the type of kid that's going to – I think when he makes up in his mind, like, yo, I came in for the visit. This is what I like. If the feel if the feeling hits him, he's the type of kid that's going to just like Brandon Davis Swain say, you know what? This is the place I want to be. That's it. You yeah. Know? So yeah. It's, it's a possibility. And I don't how do you feel about these 24 kids? Because it's different coming in over the summer and, and being able to sit down and spend time and then yeah. just coming in for like a quick weekend and and having your football season going simultaneously. You know, I don't know if that's like a perfect storm for a commitment, mm-hmm. but you mm-hmm. it's possible it could happen. I know everybody right. everybody and their mother is coming to the Clemson game. I haven't talked to a recruit yes. that's remotely close. I'm talking the kids in St. Louis, the uh, Chris Smith, the running back in Wisconsin, all of the local kids here in Chicago area. <laughs> They're all going to the Clemson game in November. Yes. That's going yes. to be the biggest recruiting weekend maybe in the last five years at Notre Dame. Yeah. Now, it's – and 
I was looking because we had a question about the Clemson game, and here it is. So I'm going to pull it up for Archer, actually. And, and to answer your question, Sean, I think that – so we're in a dead period now, which is going to be yeah. lifted soon in September. In September, just for everyone that doesn't follow recruiting that well, that's what they call the evaluation period, right? Mm-hmm. So that's – I think that for the rest of 2023, that's when – They'll finish the wide receiver recruiting potentially, right? We talked about Tayshawn Lyons. They're going to keep evaluating quarterbacks, and they're going to keep evaluating defensive linemen for that potential last defensive end spot. So that's where I think the the emphasis will be on. And for 2024, I don't think they're going to be in a rush to get a bunch of 2024s in season, but they'll continue to mold those relationships because that's going to be really where their their board gets a little more – refined right a little more defined as far as like who are the absolute targets and the priorities we want in the class but it's a great question and archer was the one that asked shout out to archer ryan is the clemson game set to be the biggest recruiting weekend of the season is there a visitor list yet also how big of a recruiting weekend do you expect next week next year's ohio state game to be archer i think ohio state game next year is going to be tremendous but i mean to the first part of the question about clemson like sean just said which is perfect segue it's going to be massive, sir. I have not talked to a single committed player for yes. the start that is not going to be at that game. Like everyone and their mother is going to be at that game. I would expect almost every committed player to be there that weekend. Like yes. it is just going to be absolutely in ridiculous. Both classes. Yes. In both classes, 2023 and 2024. Yeah. And you are going to have a bevy. Uh, Sean just mentioned like Corey Smith is already saying that he's going to be there. We'll have a, defined list on irishbreakdown.com on the message board as far as who we have verified but you should expect a lot of local players to be there but a lot of players just in general to make that trip because that is the big home game this year that is their opportunity to see a top 10 top five team in clemson also in person as well so it's a huge opportunity Sean thinks it could be the best. It could be the most important weekend in the last few years. And I I wouldn't say that he's wrong, man. Like it is with everything that's going on. If Notre Dame especially goes into that, into that, um, into that matchup as an undefeated team or a one loss team against Clemson, it's going to be a big opportunity for them. Absolutely massive. So yes, Clemson is going to be a big one. Absolute big one. You have guys like Samuel and Pimba close to the division. And that if that's his last visit and the last impression that he gets, you man, yeah, it's huge. It's huge. Because if you can add him to that 23 class, which is already impressive, you know, you still would love to have him and Keon King, but to get him on the back end will make you feel a whole lot better. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And uh, we're going to pull up a few more questions here. A lot of great questions today, Sean. On honestly, man, like we we're gonna start working through these a little bit quicker. So I want to get as many as possible, and we don't want to stray too far past maybe the two hour mark today. But uh, you know, there's some work to be done on the recruiting trails, as there always is. But we'll pop up next one from Alex Toby, Ryan, and Sean. Do you think OSU is drinking the rat poison? They've been told for nine months how good they are. So obviously, Sean, this is this is basically saying that. Ohio State might be feeling themselves a little bit too much because they just keep hearing how great they are and how they should destroy Notre Dame. Alex, I don't feed into that too much, honestly, and and this is maybe just my opinion, but like th- players definitely listen to outside noise sometimes. But I mean, Ohio State's a really good program, right? Ryan Day's a really good coach, and I think that he has, I think he's going to be able to get the blinders on his kids and understand, like, hey, 
you're a you're a number two team in the country right now, but you're playing the number five team in the country, right? Like this is a massive, massive football game, and you're at home, right? Like you don't want to you don't want Notre Dame to come to the shoe and come out with a victory. Like this is a big, big game for Ohio State. So I don't really subscribe to the feeling that like they're just like looking past Notre Dame and being like, yeah, we're gonna beat these team. Like, come on, man. Like it, it, I, I don't I don't buy that personally. I don't. No, I, I don't think they can afford to be in that position. Yeah, I think Ryan Day made the moves that he made on his coaching staff because it hasn't been good enough. It hasn't been good enough, specifically defensively the last two years at Ohio State. So I think they come into the game with a lot to prove. I think they feel like, you know, maybe people view them in comparison to Notre Dame different. But then I think people view them differently in comparison to Alabama and Georgia. Mm -hmm. And it might seem like, oh, Georgia and Alabama have kind of like pulled ahead of Ohio State. They don't like that. Right. And I think they want to prove like, look, we're just as good as those guys. And what better way to do that than to go out there and defeat Notre Dame game one on your field. So I think Ryan Day, understand, Ryan Day was incredibly uncomfortable when he Mm -hmm. sat on the set with Marcus Freeman. And, you know, the ESPN crew was sitting up there cracking jokes. He was uncomfortable. He knows that Notre Dame has has players. And he knows Marcus Freeman is a good coach. You know, he's a good coach. We don't know whether or not he's a good head coach yet. Right. But we know he's a good coach and a darn good recruiter. So we are yet to see the uh, evolution of him as a head coach. But. I think Brian Day is smart enough to kind of keep things intact and, and realistic and focused with his team. I think I've said this. I think we're going to get a, a classic game. I really do. I really I do. So, man, I think I, both I, teams are going to come in and give you a really good effort on a Saturday night. Yes. No, yeah. I, I look, we, we've talked a lot about the, the, the spread on the game and stuff. That's like, you know, 17 points or whatever it is now, 17 yeah. and a half, depending on what sports book you look at. But I really think it's going to be a good football game. We'll see. But like, I just don't subscribe that either team is going to blow the other one out. Like I just, no. I, just I don't subscribe to that. I think it's going to be a good, good football game, but we, again, we'll know in just a few games, luckily. So we want to, Sean, we had a question directly to you from the spanky yeah. who said, Sean, are you tailgating this Saturday? No, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be really, really uh, low key until it hits double zeros. And then I'm going to talk all the trash I need to talk. See, Sean, my favorite thing now is that we're going to have you on some more Monday shows in the future. So if yeah. Notre Dame wins that game, sir. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Ryan, they don't want that to happen. They don't want that to happen. Uh, yeah. I, I, I keep telling people, man. I know I'm a little more of a of an a hole on Twitter than you are, sir. But like, I am going to be such a jerk on Twitter if Notre Dame wins. I'm just such a jerk. Let me You're tell not... you something. Let me tell yeah. you something. Yeah. Stop apologizing for it. I'm not. No one apologized here. Because uh, I've seen you a couple times say, you know what? Maybe I want a little a little bit too hard. Like, if you go hard, stand on it. Yeah. And just move on to the next thing. It is what it is. You know your stuff. So you know what you're talking about. Stand on it. Because if I say something, I'm not running it back. It's like, hey, I put it out there. Mm -hmm. It is what it is. 
And I've already put it out there what I think is going to happen on Saturday. So, yes. I won't be tailgating, no. No. Won't be tailgating, but we will be tailgating if it's a victory. But that's another conversation for another day. We might, we might (laughs) post look. (laughs) This might be the first post game where uh, we might have some uh, solo red cups going. Oh, okay. All right. No, you you got to tell me tell me after the show what's what's in those cups, but we'll 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 keep rolling along. <laughs> grape juice, man. Grape juice. Grape juice. Grape grape juice. juice. Oh man, I love it. I love it. So, we went to there's a lot of questions about Keon Keeley. There's a lot of questions on CJ Carr. So, like let's just hit this situation real quick, Brian. Um Brian. Brian's not on the show today. Let's do it, Sean. So, <laughs> We just had Robert Bishop ask, didn't we already replace the spot Keon had? No, they did not replace the spot that Keon was in the class. He is recruited as a Viper. They just got Armel Mukum as a big end in their replacement. He's basically the replacement to Jason Moore. He's not the replacement to Keon Keeley. So Notre Dame is going to continue to recruit the Viper position. They want to get a fifth defensive lineman in this class. So that spot is still technically open, but... Notre Dame is obviously doing their due diligence on that end to find the right fits in their class. So a lot of questions about Keon. So let's just have at it real quick. Why not? So we got Marcel. Let's, let's start off with Marcel. He says, so as far as you all know, does Notre Dame still communicate with Keon Keely at all? I know he decommitted just wondering. So Marcel, we talked about this on the message board. We also talked about this after he committed on one of the daily shows. So here's the point of the emphasis on, on Keon Keely. The staff basically told him that we want you in this class if you want to come back, but we're not going to actively recruit you anymore, right? They feel like they've done everything on their end that they should have. They've everything that they promised, everything that they told him. They have stood by this even through the visits and chatter and all that type of stuff, right? So Keon Keeley still has a class, spot in the class if he chooses, but Notre Dame is not going to chase him. Right? Like, that's the point of it. Keon can do whatever he wants. There will be a spot for him if he chooses to be in the Notre Dame class, ultimately down the line. But Notre Dame is moving on because they don't want to be in a position where they miss out on other talented players because they are stuck waiting on Keon Keeley if he wants to come back. So that's basically the, 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 the gist of the conversation. So just getting that conversation out of the way. I think Ohio State having him in is one of the worst decisions they will ever make. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there was another question that I think I'm going to get to it at some point, but like, it is a big opportunity for Notre Dame to impress Keon in person, right? Absolutely. Like, I, I mean, I'll be very for very upfront about this. I don't expect Keon Kelly to be in the class. I don't ultimately, but it is a good opportunity for Notre Dame to try to reverse that momentum if they if they if it's possible. Like, this is a big opportunity, but I, I personally don't think that it's in the cards. But we'll see. We'll see. We're going to go to – there's more Keon Keeley questions. So here, this one's somewhat related. Milton Fan 15 said, could Brandon Vernon possibly play Viper? No, I, I don't think so. He's he's a strong side defensive end. I mean, he's already up to 6'5", 270 plus, 280 pounds. He, in my opinion, Milton Fan is going to be a strong side defensive end or maybe a three-tech down the line. Like, that's what he's going to be. He's going to be an outside-to-in interior guy type in this – even or odd man front. So not the flexible speed rusher that you really want space player that you want as a Viper. He's a power based end. So he is definitely not in my opinion, a 
a pure vi- he's not a viper in the system. So, all right, moving down. We're going to get to the CJ Carr questions in a second. I want to make sure that there's no more Keon Keeley questions. All right, we'll, we'll keep it at the defensive end spot, though, Sean. Then we have a fun one in a couple minutes. 99 problems, but BK ain't one. Thank God he isn't anymore. Does Notre Dame have a good or realistic shot at flipping either Jadavian Bradley or Caleb Herring from Tennessee, both the defensive end commits? Sean, I'll say this about it. Right now, no, I don't think so. Yeah, they're pretty firm. They're very firm. I'll say this. If Notre Dame has having nice success in the season, I think they'll continue to have conversations with them, and then maybe that loosens up at some point. But, like, right now, yeah. I don't think so. As of today, I don't think there's any much, much wiggle room on that end, personally. But that's just my opinion. Agreed. All right. And then we're working through a lot of great questions, by the way. A lot of great questions. We're going to go to this one. A little bit of a fun question here, Sean. I asked people to ask you about food. So Jeff Fluke oh. asks, Mr. Davis, can you get your top three food spots in Chicago? I'll be there for four days around the Marshall game. Is Ruth Chris worth it? Uh, people in Chicago will probably tell you Ruth Chris is like, okay. It's kind of like the, it has become, yeah, it's okay. It's some better spots. I would take a nice trip out to Perry Steakhouse. It's a national chain. You know, they have a couple in Texas. I think they have a couple on the East Coast. Perry Steakhouse out in Oak Brook. It's not a bad drive. You can Uber out there for about 20 bucks. It's a 20 minute ride west of Chicago. Um, Fogo de Cho is a Brazilian steakhouse. If you love steak, absolutely amazing. It's in the River North area. Great food. And then for me, uh, Kitchen and Cocktails, which is kind of like a Southern cuisine, new spot. Very, very well done. Great ambiance. So I'll probably hit up Kitchen and Cocktails. Make sure you make a reservation because it's a new spot and it's it's pretty crowded. It's it's hopping? Yeah, it's popping. (laughs) It's popping. And um, you have to hit up Portillo's if you come to Chicago. If you are a fan of beef, uh, I would go to Al's Beef for the beef. And then I would go get the hot dogs from Portillo's and the hamburgers from Portillo's. Even though Portillo's has a really good beef, especially if you like the combo, you know, with the little dip sauce. I don't know if you want it on the side or actually on the beef. Great combination. Uh, Some great Italian spots downtown Chicago as well. And can't forget Mastro's. Mastro's Steakhouse downtown is absolutely phenomenal. So M-A-S-T-R-O apostrophe S. Mastro's is cool. Okay. No Portillo's, man? You didn't mention any Portillo's there? No, I said Portillo's or oh, you did. I missed yeah, it. I missed it. Portillo's I, mean, I, was, yeah. I was starring too many questions. I, I'm assuming that this is a food-related question. Ryan Loftus says, Sean Connie's or Lou Mal's? Lou Mal's? Am I pronouncing that right? I mean, it is uh, Lou Malnati's. It's short for Lou Malnati's. Um, oh, 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 Pizza Place. Pizza yeah, place. Yeah, got yeah, it, yeah. Got it, got yeah. it, got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Lou Malnati's, I would probably give the edge over Connie's, but I would, you know, I am a thin crust, you know, bar, pub, pizza type guy. So, oh, so you're you're not a you're not a uh, deep dish guy, then? You're not a deep I mean, dish. I, I like deep. I'll eat deep dish, but I prefer my Chicago thin crust 
pub style. And there's, there are a lot of places, you know, on the north side that have great thin crust. The south side used to have some spaces, but the food, it doesn't taste the same as it used to during my younger days. So maybe it's my stomach and my taste buds have changed. But yeah. Apparently, uh, apparently it changes every seven years, man. Taste buds. So that's what I heard. Yeah. yeah. Blue Mountainati's actually followed me and, and told me that I need to come there, Sean, when I'm in there in Chicago for the uh, for the Marshall game. So maybe Yo, I'll that make sure up, you get the butter crust. Hmm. The butter crust. Make sure they don't cut it. Right? You cut it yourself okay. and make sure you get the extra sauce. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Now, they have like a, a, a vinaigrette dressing. And one of my co-workers put me onto this because we both love the extra sauce, pepperoni, butter crust. You cut it and then you dip it in the vinaigrette. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. All right. Well, hopefully I get to meet up with you during that uh during oh, that, that, that couple of days. So absolutely. we'll uh we'll talk shop over there so I don't so I don't miss any of those details, you know? So I'm I'm looking forward to that trip though. It's actually my first time staying in Chicago for a little bit. So I've I've been through like O'Hare on like connecting flight and stuff, but I've never like been in Chicago. You know what I mean? So it'll be a good trip. I'm looking forward to it. It's only a little over a week away now, man, which is fun, which is crazy. Absolutely crazy. So we're going to go to the next question from the end zone, Sean. We talked about Caleb Beasley a little bit earlier. His question, uh, his, well, not question. So just said, watch, Caleb Beasley played live in a huge game in the state of Alabama. Dude was extremely fun to watch. He won the game with a full field fumble return for a touchdown. Yes, and so we, we talked about that a little bit in the beginning. So he was phenomenal. Made Sports Center was a was a great ending to the game. Ninety nine yard touchdown and a big victory for Lipscomb Academy. So big time player. Keep an eye out on Caleb Beasley. So. Sean, I mentioned this earlier. There's a lot of questions about CJ Carr. So, like, we're, we'll talk about the elite reclassification stuff real quick. Let's do it. Afternoon question. If Carr reclassifies, is that their 2024 quarterback Notre Dame has their eye on to take the spot? So, let's start with the reclassification stuff, and then we'll talk about, like, targets and stuff, right? So, there is two sides to this coin. Notre Dame has been open to wanting CJ Carr to potentially reclassify to 2023. I don't think on the CJ Carr side from everything we've heard that they are really, I don't want to say open to it because they're definitely having the conversation, but I don't think they really want CJ to reclassify to 2023. So there's like a little bit of a unsure thing. Yeah, I'll say this. If he stays in 2024, I expect Notre Dame to still have a 2023 quarterback, whether that is getting in with a guy like Kenny Minchie, whether that is revisiting the Avery Johnson conversation, whether that is during the, evaluation period finding a different quarterback that they like in the 2023 class because my big thing sean for me is that this 2023 class is just too good not to tap into you know like if, yeah. if cj Carr does not reclassify they need to get a quarterback in the class yeah. in my opinion i think they need to absolutely i think and i i've had this discussion um with malik and mm-hmm. um this connection through elite 11 specifically to kenny mentioned and you know there was talk when Notre Dame offered, and what I've heard is that there is interest, but he is very careful of not letting the recruitment overtake his focus on his season. Yep. Mm-hmm. 
and conversations are being had. So Notre Dame, I think, is definitely going to try and get him on campus. But at this point in time, he's been staunch. He's been, you know, posting pictures with him and other commits at Pitt over the last couple of weeks. So he's focused on that, but his mind is open. And I'll say this, he'll be watching. Yeah. He'll be watching Tyler Buckner and how he progresses under Tommy Reese. And the conversation is going to continue. I think um, something to watch is Avery Johnson because of the relationship with Dylan Edwards. Yes. I think that bears watching as the season goes on. And like you said, if, if they go into the Clemson game 11 and one or 10 and one, or at that point it'd be nine and one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Nine and one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that's the type of weekend that could change everything. And he's been steadfast on his commitment to Kansas state, but yo, when the big boys come calling and a program like Notre Dame, you know, it, it makes you think twice every now and then. So, you know, flips are possible. Flips are definitely possible. I'm not a fan of the reclassification because I know how difficult and rigorous it would be because Notre Dame is just totally different. Yes. From qualifying academically. It's not, it would be a much more difficult task than it would be at a state school Mm -hmm. per se. So I'm, I'm cool with Carr being the leader of the 24 class and continuing to recruit that 24 class to make sure that it gets to the place that it needs to be and just put the onus on the staff to go ahead and get a good player in the 23 right. class to come in that you know can sit for mm-hmm. you yep. and kind of be depth. Because that isn't that's a comfortable place to be in, right, Ryan? Because you have – you know, you expect Drew Pine possibly maybe to lead the program next year. It's possible. And you have Tyler Buckner coming back. Yep. Uh, at this point, I'm not sure how they feel about Steve Angeli, whether or not they feel like, okay, with another year, we feel comfortable with him being a backup yep. and being able to come in and sub and possibly win one game if he has to, which yep. leads you to the 23 guy being your depth guy, you know, next year. And under no pressure to really have to play, just get better. Kind of what Steve Angeli's going through now. Yes. Just play, practice, and get better. I I think for 2023, having a guy like a CJ Carr committed in 2024, you can take a little bit of a gamble, in my opinion. Like, I. I mean, there, there, I think there's two ways of thinking about it. Like, you need a guy that can come in and play, sure, if in case Tyler Buckner isn't the guy that we think he is. But, like, I think he's going to be a good football player. Yeah. And, I mean, I, I would love Notre Dame to rekindle that relationship with Avery Johnson because of the, yeah. the things that you talked about already. Either way, you're going to have to probably flip someone, most likely at this point, because the quarterback yeah. pretty much understood at this point, right? So, like, yeah. we'll see what happens. Either way, I think that Notre Dame is going to use – September really to kind of continue to build those relationships as the connect uh, the contacts continue to improve and hopefully getting somebody on campus or a couple players on campus this fall in this situation by MB. If Carr does reclassify. So if he is definitely a 2023 kid, I don't think we, uh, I don't think we have the 2024 potential quarterback on the board as far as a player that is, that is right now. 
The so four guys like, were Rayola, Julian Saban, Jaden Davis, and, and CJ, pretty much. And, and they did all throw to Adrian Posse, who yeah. is committed to Auburn as well. Right. I, someone asked about Julian Sane. I don't think Julian Sane is going to be in the class if that does happen. Like he's right. he's going to go to Georgia or Texas, in my opinion, which good for him. I I think that Notre Dame will not be in a rush for their 2024 kid if tw- if CJ Card does reclassify. They'll yeah. let that let that figure itself out. So I don't think they're in any rush to figure that out right now. But shall shall see. We had a super chat from Bod. Appreciate you, BOD. Thank you so much. As we're getting closer to the end of this show, we're going to rapid fire a few, a few of these. We had David Jones ask, how huge would it be for DB recruiting if Notre Dame's secondary has an outstanding performance against these Ohio State receivers? Massive. I mean, I, I, Sean, I don't think we can quantify this, right? Like, if, yeah. if they show that they are developing defensive backs better at Notre Dame, or at least, you know, fractionally better, yeah. then that's a huge step. Because, I mean... Yeah, I think there are some question marks about it, but like, if they show up and play well against Ohio State's um, Ohio State's wide receivers, then I think that that's a huge indicator that the developers are in the room that they need. Yeah, and I think you know, without getting too deep into it, I think Mike Mickens made mention of it. Like, you have Cam Hart, you have the questions in Clarence Lewis, and I think the depth that they have behind Clarence Lewis has ignited a fire under him. And you can see the work he put in on his body and his movement in the offseason. And it's going to pay dividends, hopefully. But then having that security blanket on the back end and Brandon Joseph with the versatility is going to be huge. He's going to impact not only the safeties, but he's going to impact the ability of the defensive backs to go ahead and make plays on the ball, get passes, uh, PBUs, and other stats that we haven't seen from a secondary at Notre Dame, probably since the Julian Love 2018-19 squad. I think that was the last time you really felt confident in the defensive backfield. I had a sense of confidence in the defensive backfield at Notre Dame. But then the, the freshman we mentioned, you know, as the season goes on, the secondary is going to become stronger. That's what I foresee. Like yeah. the secondary you see against Ohio State, I think it's going to be good and definitely better than last year in totality. But by the time you get to October, I think this is going to be a really good secondary that's going to start to show their true depth and what we might be seeing as a burgeoning secondary and a burgeoning program for secondary in Notre Dame moving forward. So, you know, I understand, you know, the hesitation from fans and the concern when it comes to the Notre Dame secondary. And it's warranted. Sure. It's warranted from the second half of the season, what you saw, and then going into that Fiesta Bowl. It's totally warranted. You know, I just want to say from what we've seen and from what people like Brian have heard being close to the program than we are, that the secondary is not as much as a concern to the staff Mm -hmm. going into that game as it is for fans. And yes. when the, when they feel that good about it, it makes me feel much better. I think I think that's really well said. Yeah, it's uh it's like a reassuring thing, right? Yeah. It's it's you have the acquisition of talents. I think there's a lot of talent on the roster already. 
And then if you could develop that talent, then why would you not want to be a part of that? Right. Yeah. Like that's how you continue momentum, right. In, in recruiting. So I agree completely, Sean. It was really well said. I would go to, we only have a couple questions left. Thank you all so much. Archer says, man, did you see Malik Harford's highlights from week one? He destroyed some poor kid. He sure did, Archer. I did see that, yeah. And I would just like to say, my, my comment on Ben Minich making plays for the Lakota West team was not any shade thrown at Malik Hartford. No. Notre, Dame ha- Notre Dame had a lot of interest in Malik Hartford. It's just he liked, no- he liked Ohio State. Like I mean, that's just a point blank to it. He's a really good football player. Ben Minich is just a player that I, I commented that like I think he's – maybe a better player that I'm getting him credit for. And he's making a lot of plays to start the year, but Malik Hartford's a dude. There's no question about that. So yeah. very good football player. No yeah. doubt. Yeah. Man, did you see that clip, Sean? He killed that young man. Yeah, oh, man. I did. I was like, oh, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Did, did the flag get thrown on that play? Because, man, he. I'm not sure. Oof. Baby. Yes. Yes. Wasn't uh Oof. That's, the I, I, that's the type of hit that makes your mom come out the stands. Right, the right, yeah. Like, that's the type of hit that, like, is the first on a highlight tape. Like, that was a, a vicious, vicious blow, man. Hartford yeah. could play. There's no doubt. No doubt about that. We have Robert Bishop say, how would you all feel about an onside kick to start the OSU game? It's probably the only time you truly have the element of surprise. <sighs> Robert, I, 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 I'm on the – like, I, I – Look, there's there's a there's a fine line between the deception of you know taking advantage of a movement and then being a little bit too over the top. Yeah, I, I think that that's like a grasping for straws. If I'm being completely honest, because I think I think Notre Dame could play with Ohio State, man. Like I don't think they need smoke and mirrors. Like I think they can play no, with that. They can so play I, with them. yeah, yeah, and that's I, what I want people to understand. Like, yo, let's let's push pump the brakes. Yeah, pump the brakes, like. Ryan, look, there, there is uh, historical evidence recently that Notre Dame can compete. Yeah. They can compete. Tyler Buckner has to be better than Ian Book. Sure, sure. He has to make – Ian Book wasn't going to make plays in big games. If he could, they would have a win against Georgia. If Brandon Winbush could make plays in 17 – they will have a win at home against Georgia, right? If we score touchdowns in the ACC championship game early, that's a close game in the second half against Clemson with could Trevor be a different Moore. game. Yep, could be so, a different game. Look, yep. I know people look at the scoreboard, like actually watch, do what we're actually asked to do for you guys. Mm-hmm. We're asked to look intently at these games, at the rosters, at the recruiting and decipher whether or not Notre Dame has the talent. Like, Notre Dame has talent on the roster to walk into that stadium on Saturday and hold the lead or be close in the fourth quarter. Whether or not they execute, it's not up to us. We'll all be watching together. If they execute, they can win. If they don't, they won't win. And it's as simple as that. But that's that's like everyday football. Yes. Like if you execute, you'll win. We saw you talked about it. Florida Florida AM executed as about as well as they could, minus 20 players. Yes. And it they gave just, them a chance. They just weren't they weren't just in, they just aren't in the ballpark with North Carolina, yes. obviously, right? Like they they yeah. stuck in the game a little bit, but then ultimately 
the Jimmys and the Joes won, right? Like the, the better football players won. Like that's the point blank period to it. I'm also not in favor of this either, Robert, personally, because the because Ohio State's offense is dynamic, right? Like yeah. I don't want to give them a short field potentially. Like I want them to have a long field to try to try to win. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm not trying to give them an easy an easy opportunity. Like l- let's play defense. Let's have confidence in our guys. But like I understand why the question's asked because there have been times historically where an onside kick helped the team. But like I, I don't I just don't think the opening kickoff is that time. I think there's a different time if there is a time. I just Question don't want for, to be the team sorry. that flinches. Yes. I want to force them to flinch. Make them have to come up. It sounds it sounds really corny, Sean, but like I want them to stare in their eyes and, and at the at the 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 coin flip and be yes. like, Yeah, I'm here, man. We're, like, here. we're here. You know what I mean? Like we're here. I'm not like I'm not I'm not here to gimmick you and try to stay in this football game. Like I'm here to win. Yep. You know what I mean? Like that's 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 my point blank to it. But yeah, yeah. Brandon Plesner asked, Sean, this one's for you because I know you've developed a little bit of a relationship and you've watched this kid closely. I know you're a fan. What are your thoughts on Marquise Lightfoot, the defensive end? He's recruiting recruited as a Viper by Notre Dame out of Illinois. Is he underrated in your opinion? And do you think he has a take for the staff right now? We've talked about this, the take thing right now, Sean, yeah. not right now, yeah. right? Like they're continuing to evaluate him. It's only what, a few guys that are like true takes. Like exactly. Ryan Ringo is a take. Justin Schott is a take. Yes, 24 class guys like this, you know, the rest of the class, some more evaluation, some yes. more development. Ju- junior year is going to be very telling for the, yeah. the board in general, not just Marquise Lightfoot. But what, what do you like right now about Marquise? I know he's a talented player. Are you kidding me? Six, four <laughs> wingspan of like 79 inches. Quick first step off the edge can drop into coverage, can blitz, does multiple things started out on the interior. As a freshman, playing middle linebacker and has matriculated to the end slash linebacker position, and he's shooting up the recruiting ranks. And he's going to continue to do so as he grows and he gets stronger because he's a physical freak. He's just a physical athletic freak, you know. And so you have schools like Notre Dame, you know, offered him at the Blue and Gold game on April 23rd. Then he gets an offer from Wisconsin. Then he gets an offer from Michigan. So, yeah, the Big Ten schools, Ohio State sniffing around. You see the Big Ten schools starting to come around. And then what happens after that, once he once he goes into the spring, here comes the SEC. Like, that's the way it goes. You know, the local schools get you, and they circle you. And then you start getting the national schools finding out about you. And there he is. He had a really, really nice uh, camp circuit this summer. Really nice camp circuit. It did really well. So, uh, like you said, Ryan, he's not a take right now, but he's definitely being watched. I wouldn't be shocked to see Notre Dame staff at a Kenwood Academy game somewhere down the line. Yeah, uh, with how this with how the staff is recruiting, man, I, I, they're going to be everywhere. <laughs> they're going to be everywhere evaluating. So, hundred percent. You know the crazy 100%. thing? You yeah. know, you know who might be the person at his game? Tommy Reese. Because Tommy Reese is the one that told Al Washington about him. So <laughs> Tommy Reese takes the Chicagoland area. He treats it like that's mine. Mm-hmm. Like I'll let you know who we need to get from that area, regardless of position. Like he, yep. he, he talks to Justice Scott. So he's taking that responsibility for the Chicago area to say, we're going to get the best players mm-hmm. out of Chicago. 
So we had another question about the Viper position. 99 problems with BK81 asks, as of today, who are the realistic targets for the final defensive line position? Mm-hmm. I haven't really heard any names that are real sh- real shots right now. Will Notre Dame get a dude to replace Kelly? I think the ultimate answer to your final question there, 99 problems, is yes. I would anticipate them getting a Viper in the 2023 class to be the fifth defensive lineman. Who that player is? Look, they've started to add some offers they're letting this play out right now i wouldn't expect the viper to be in the class in the near future i think this is something that's going to go into the fall closer to signing day so they're doing the homework on blake purchase who's out of colorado they're doing their homework on Jaden moore who's out of california they still have samuel and pemba who they're going to bring in for a visit i don't think it's in a great spot obviously because of several reasons that we've talked about on the board and on this show before but those are a few of the names that you should know and they're going to continue to talk to Caleb Herring to see if there's interest. Jadavian Bradley, like they're they're going to continue to do their homework. The evaluation period is going to be huge for that final defensive end, defensive line spots. So there might be a guy that's not even on the board right now that Notre Dame ends up getting in on. But I do think that there's going to be a fifth guy. I just am not 100% sure who that guy is. They're going to keep doing their homework on that final spot. So only a couple questions left here, Sean. We have Bill uh, Bill Walsh. Oh, great. Former uh, great head coach, Bill Walsh. Right. What is the over under for the number of five star players that transfer from A and M after this season? That's fantastic. So <laughs> overpopulated. What do they have? Seven defensive line recruits in yeah. the twenty twenty one class, right? So yeah. it's uh, the twenty twenty two class, I should say. Uh, you know, it's just a poking a little fun. I don't want to predict anybody to actually transfer, but uh, it's it's definitely overpopulated. So I would not say that it is not unrealistic that we could see a little bit of an exodus at some point. Hey, you might have a Michigan quarterback in the transfer portal at week three. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Should we talk about that real quick? Like that is a, how, how could you not talk? Well, is that not one of the weirdest rollouts it's... of a decision? Look, I, I think there's two sides to it, Sean. Look, no, Michigan's schedule is very easy. So, like, it's not right. like they need a guy in game one to be the guy. Like, I get that, and that's what Michigan right. fans are trying to sell you right now. But for people that don't know, basically, game one is going to be Cade McNamara. Game two is going to be – what's the other kid's name? McCar- J.J. McCarthy. J.J. McCarthy. And then game three, they're going to kind of decide which which direction they're going to go in, right? So, it's yeah. kind of a test period early on in the season. Michigan fans are convincing themselves that it's a smart move. I think it's kind of dumb if I'm being completely honest. Like I put this on Twitter and this is the most uh, like, this is not good analysis. Right. But like, this is my, my opinion. Yeah. If it is so close right now between Cade McNamara and JJ McCarthy, one, you probably have a problem, but that's another conversation for another day. But if it's so close, Sean, I think everybody agrees that JJ McCarthy is a more talented player. Right. And he's younger. You defer to the more talented player. If it's, if it's a, if it's a coin toss, like, what are we doing here, man? Like, but he's made, this, he's made this decision before. Yeah, It's the same as Alex Smith and Colin Kaepernick. It's the same decision. Mm-hmm. It's the same decision. Like, do I trust a kid that is solid? I know we can win with him. Or do I take this fantastic kid with upside that could really take our offense to the next level and make us more explosive? They went to a Super Bowl and they came within, the, what, fingertip? of a uh, pass being dropped in the end zone from possibly winning the Super Bowl with Colin Kaepernick. And to me, 
J.J. McCarthy is easily the more dynamic quarterback. Easily. It's not even close. Easily. It's not even yeah. close. And he just happens to be from the Chicago area. So I love him a little extra for that. But yes. with all of that being said, if he wants to go out and ruin the locker room in Ann Arbor and cause division, and fine. Go ahead, Jim. Go right ahead. I wonder if the change in coordinator plays a part in this as well. Yeah, Josh now, Gaddis leaving this yeah, offseason. Yeah, yeah. I think if Gaddis was there, Cade would probably be the guy. Or I think it would be a clear-cut decision either way. I don't think you would have this. If Gattis- yeah, I, I just I, – I, and again, maybe I'm, uh, maybe I'm simplifying this thing too much. But, I mean, for me, very simply – Again, you have two quarterbacks. And I understand K McNamara just went to the, the playoffs. So like I'm not trying to like I'm not trying to throw too much shade on the kid. But all I'm saying here is that if it is if it's equal, mm-hmm. I, you go with the better player. I mean you go with the more talented player. Like that's just yeah. and, and the more talented player is also younger. I yeah. just don't understand how this is a conversation. Yes. I, I don't I don't Yes. He's not going to want because I think if I'm not mistaken, Cade can actually come back for another year. He can, yeah, yeah, because he's a he's going to be a Richard Junior, but he's got the the COVID year oh, too, yeah. right? So like, yeah, yeah, yeah. JJ's not going to sit another year, right? Right? Yeah, I, so I mean, it, it's, start his clock. It, it's just it's very point blank to me, right? It's not like yeah. I don't know, I don't know. Yeah. Again, if it's a if it's a legit one to one, you can't decide. You go with the more talented kid. Absolutely. Like, it's just, that's, ah, whatever, whatever. We had a question from Kevin Bugaj. Kevin, if I if I pronounce that wrong, please just let me know in the chat. My apologies. Which college team do you think has the most ridiculous fans? LSU. <laughs> uh, LSU. Right now it is. Right LSU. now it is. Yeah. LSU is taking over the top spot. Isn't it? It's oh, not even close. I, I think this answer could be like whoever Notre Dame's playing that week, though. <laughs> it's it's yeah, it's it's, it's right now, close. right now it's it's, uh, it's um LSU is definitely the winner right now. But you know, Ohio State's been a little ridiculous at some points. Although we love you, Archer, out there in I don't even know if you're from Ohio or not, but like yeah, there's some there's every right, I'll I'll say this: every fan base has their good fans and have their bad fans, right? Like there's no that goes for Notre Dame, like as a fan base as well, right? Like there's some fans that are just unrealistic and just hate everything and all this good stuff, right? But yeah, but the people that when the people that talk to the fans are bad, yeah, that just makes it even. Now your fans are going to be bad because they're going to get misinformation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now yeah. you have a misinformed fan base. You know, this is why IB Nation they're smart. This is why the chat is so interesting each and every show because. Of guys like you, guys like Brian, guys like yes. Ben, that give them correct information mm-hmm. and they know what they're talking about and they can discuss things subjectively, objectively, whatever you know dictates the topic at hand. Speaking, speaking of our leader Brian Brian Driscoll, he's in he's in the chat with us, Sean. He's in the chat. So Saban made the decision to bench Jalen Hurts, Dabo bench Kelly Bryant. Even those guys didn't lose games. That's what great coaches do. Agree, Brian. Agree 100%. If you play the best player, the player that gives you the best chance to win, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I agree completely. 
IB Nation represents. Absolutely good to have you in the chat, Brian. Unfortunately, not with us today, but we'll be back very soon. Why would I not be in the chat, right? And Sean crush it. Thank you, Brian. We're doing our best. We're trying to hold it down for you until you get back tomorrow, sir. We're trying to hold it down. So last couple questions here. After that question, we're going to go to Milton Fan 15. Any curtain players or recruits good candidates for converting to Viper? He was asking about potential if um, Brandon Vernon could play Viper was the question last time. Right. We've heard some things, Milton, and, and Brian talked about this a little bit on the show where there, some people believe that potentially Bubakar Traore might be able to play Viper. I personally don't think, and I know Brian agrees with me that like he's not an ideal Viper. So I would, I still think Notre Dame's going to get a new Viper recruit in the 2023 class. But that's really the only candidate. I mean, like, look, Preston Zinter plays some on-ball stuff in high school, but like, I don't think he's a preferred Viper. Like, I think he's more of a linebacker. So I don't think that the Viper in 2023 is in the class right now. So we'll see. But I do not think he's in the class. All right. Someone said, uh, Jacob Watson said in Pemba, his potential replacement. Jacob, they're going to continue to do their due diligence with Samuel and Pemba. I, I ultimately don't feel great about it, but get him on campus, keep recruiting him, <laughs> see what happens. You know, we'll. Either way, I mean, we're talking about who's going to be the fifth defensive end in a very good defensive line class, in my opinion, Sean. So hey, it's an okay spot. We're an okay spot. Good coaches always say, get them on campus, we'll coach them. Mm-hmm. They don't need positions until we get them. <laughs> Just get the talent to us, and we'll figure out where they need to go, you know. I, 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 just, I, I just think, you know, people are like, well, is this guy a Viper? Can this guy be a Viper? Lane, just, just go get really good players, right? Because I didn't, no one thought that we would see uh, Josh Burnham with his hand in the ground. Yeah, true. Yeah. You know not, what I mean? not, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody thought that. But then they get him on campus and they realize, yo, this kid has a really quick first step. He's small. And he's, but and, and he's growing quick, man. He's, he's over 230 pounds already. Yeah. You know, it's like that frame it's, is crazy. Yo, so. so you just get really good players. And when you get them on campus, you figure out what they do really well. And then you start working on them, developing them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, it's, yeah, it's. I trust this coaching staff to make good decisions, right? So I'm I'm not worried about it. Again, losing Keon stinks. No yeah. one is ever going to push back against that. But Notre Dame still has a chance to get a good player in this class, and yeah. we'll I'll continue to have faith in this staff as we move forward here. And I think Mpemba is going to definitely see the tight end room and be like, okay, I'll play defense. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yep. Hey, man. Yes. Yep. Agree completely. So we're going to go to last two questions here. Jason Saxton says, Ryan, without naming names, we're going to play a little over under here, Sean. Mm. What is your guess with how many commits Notre Dame lands in September? I'm going to set the over under. You tell me if you agree. Okay. I'm going to set it. I'm going to set the over under a two and a half. Oh, you slide. I see why you did that. You're good. (laughs) You're good. You're good. Mm. It's a good one, right? Because I, I feel like I feel like we feel pretty good about two, two. right? Like two yeah. is a good, a really good number. Right. The next question is, how good do you feel about a 2024 kid? Maybe, right? Like right. that's the next question, that's the right? Next question, right? And we talked about the difficulty of, you know, it has to be like 
just a take to take a 24 kid right now at this point, you know, or Justin Scott or Ryan Wingo. Could that happen? I'll, I'll go under. I'll stick with the two that I'm pretty confident in. Yeah, I, I would probably also go under, but we will we will see. Got another another super chat. Appreciate you all again for the continued support. We have Greg Lisman Jr. who said, "Hey Sean, the super chat is towards your bailout money on Saturday." Yep, you might need it, man. You might need hey, it. Hey, I'll take that 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 minimum incarceration and bailout if it gives me a victory on Saturday. Yeah, I was about to ask you, like, what's the minimum thing that you would do for a Notre Dame victory on Saturday? But we'll keep this show clean. We'll keep it clean. We don't need we don't minimum need to thing do that, that I would do. <laughs> you actually don't have to answer that. You don't have to. Answer I would that. no. I told. I actually said this jokingly. Uh huh. I would sneak on the field, and as they choose the band member to dot the I, mm-hmm. I would run and tackle them and dot it myself. Oh. <laughs> all right so stay glued to the tv stay glued to the tv saturday night man we'll see what happens we had we are our fearless leader again say great Lisbon. thanks for that i'm already starting to collect money for that bail fund so brian's got you sean he's got you man he's got you and of course got to end with some positivity as always not mean to hit that one the positivity as always from rodney hopkins ivy nation it's time go irish Irish Breakdown, keep up the great work. Rodney, we appreciate you. We will do our absolute best to continue to provide positive and insightful content. And as you said, it's go time, baby. Go Irish. We're game week here. I'm Ryan Roberts. This is Sean Davis. Before you head out here today for this recruiting hour, please like, share, subscribe, hit that notification bell, and sign up for the message board, boards.irishbreakdown.com, as we'll have continued great intel and insight leading up to game day. Tomorrow, I will be back with Mr. Brian Driscoll to break down a little bit of this Ohio State game. We'll be breaking you down all week leading up to that game. Tonight, 6 o'clock, IB Nation Sports Talk. I don't know if you saw Sean, but Sean Styers, who if you're not following him on Twitter out there, you should be. It's Sean, S-E-A-N, Styers, S-T-I-R-E-S, capital Sean, capital Styers on Twitter. They were, had the availability to Marcus Freeman's press conference today, got the fir- the official depth chart for the Ohio State game. He's yes. going to be going a little bit in-depth to some of the takeaways for that depth chart and talk a little bit of what he heard from Marcus Freeman's press conference. That is tonight at 6 o'clock Eastern time. Thank you all so much. We appreciate the support. Let's go Irish. Big game this week. Finally, finally here. I want to thank you, Sean, as always, for joining me today. This was a lot of fun. I truly enjoyed it. Thank you all for joining the Irish Breakdown Podcast.